Welcome to America in Context live streaming on HAPS TV, the network of now. We're going to break down some of the biggest stories, making news from Wall Street to Washington to Main Street. If it impacts your dollar, we're talking about it. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the climate reckoning impacting America right now. But first, let's take a look at the headlines. First to Wall Street, currently the Dow. NASDAQ and the S&P 500 are all in the green, but still Wall Street's on edge as stimulus talks are up in the air and COVID-19 cases are beginning to tick up globally. There's a surge in cases in France and in the United Kingdom, as well as right here in the United States. But for millions of other Americans, it's not the markets that have them on edge. It's yet another staggering week of unemployment numbers. Take a look at this. Another 870,000 Americans filed for first-time unemployment benefits last week, according to the Labor Department. Yet Washington has, has an issue. Stimulus talks have, gained, have not gained any serious traction, although there is a beacon of hope. Just yesterday, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi agreed to resume... To re agreed to resume economic uh, talks of an economic relief package. Reportedly, House Democrats are working on a roughly $2.4 trillion stimulus plan. That could put uh, money in the pockets of millions of Americans, but that's not the Republicans' priority. Their major focus is on the course, as the president and congressional Republicans continue to push to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, ignoring her, ignoring the wishes of that trailblazing justice. The president says he will announce his nominee to fill the seat as soon as tomorrow, which, which uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will bring to the floor. This comes despite GOP leaders railing against President Obama's nominee four years ago, Merrick Garland. These developments only embolden the president's troubling comments on Wednesday at the White House press briefing about transferring power. Yesterday, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany did, did not clarify the president's remarks, but rather attacked the reporter who posed the question in the first place. Justice Ginsburg is currently lying in state at the Capitol. She is the first Jewish person, first woman, and only the second Supreme Court justice to hold that distinction. Yet, this comes on the heels of yet of another staggering wave of protests in the wake of the indictment of only one of three officers involved in the police shooting of Breonna Taylor. And that officer is not charged in for the death of Breonna Taylor at the hands of police, which has uh, protesters outraged, rightfully so. But of course, this comes in the heels of the COVID-19 pandemic, which just this week passed another grim milestone of more than 200,000 Americans losing their lives. According to Johns Hopkins University, today's U.S. death count is almost 203,000 people. To put that in context, that's slightly more than the entire population of cities like Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Those are real people, classmates, family members, colleagues, your neighbors, your friends, your support system. Just wear a mask. It's really not that hard of a thing uh, to do, guys. 
So there are new developments here in New York City. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing that restaurants will be open to outdoor seating year round in an effort to mitigate the pending economic disaster facing restaurants in the nation's largest city in the months to come. Now to the climate crisis. This year has been a catastrophic year for public health, but also for climate change. That's evident in the outcome of this year's hurricane season. And the Trump administration's policies for managing these storms and the public health crisis are making it that much more difficult. Since his election in 2016, President Donald Trump has continually and systematically aimed to dismantle agencies responsible for responding to natural disasters. For example, FEMA. He reallocated money for the, for different projects rather than the ones that Congress authorized, failing to install top positions and downplayed their importance. Worst of all, he used the money meant to help people after hurricanes to promote his own political vanity projects when the department is needed more than ever. Just this past month, Donald Trump signed an executive order bringing $400 in additional weekly unemployment benefits to millions of out-of-work Americans. This is because of the coronavirus pandemic. Much of that money, according to the executive order, comes from the Department of Homeland Security's Disaster Relief Fund. The Trump administration also grabbed disaster relief funds on occasion to serve his immigration priorities. Last year, the administration used $155 million allocated to FEMA to pay for immigration detention space and temporary hearing locations for asylum seekers along the U.S.-Mexico border. The administration has propo proposed more cuts earlier this year. In that same proposed budget, uh, there was a proposal to cut $535 million from FEMA's $5.1 billion overall outlay allocated in major disaster relief. That's more than 70% reduction from the fiscal year of 2020. This budget proposed in February comes despite pending information of the global pandemic, which the president was briefed on twice in January and a looming strong hurricane season, which had a global precedent, especially on the Gulf Coast. Residents of the Texas Gulf Coast, like I used to be, are very familiar with what they need from Washington in response to storms. Let's go back to 2001 when Tropical Storm Allison ripped through Houston, bringing a whopping $8.5 billion in damage. This according to FEMA statistics, federal funds covered 75% of the emergency costs. Allison was the costliest non-hurricane tropical cyclone ever recorded in the Atlantic Basin. Then in 2008, the Texas Gulf Coast was pummeled by Hurricane Ike, which caused $38 billion in damage. And the federal government only footed 37% of that bill. In 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, causing $125 billion in damage and killing more than 1,200 people. According to uh, a 2013 report, report from the Congressional Budget Office, the federal government footed $96 billion from that bill. Only weeks later, Hurricane Rita, which w was the single strongest hurricane 
uh, single strongest storm ever recorded slammed tech the Texas Louisiana border, similar to the path of Laura, which happened only weeks ago, resulting in $18.5 billion in damage. And the, and the government, the federal government, footed 38% of that bill. Then there was Hurricane Harvey, which dumped so much rain, the National Weather Service had to add new colors to the rain gauge map to show the amount of rainfall the storm brought. The storm caused an estimated $125 billion in damage. That's, that's a lot of money. Funding uh, for hurricane disaster relief comes from 70 plus federal agencies, 75 of which come from comes from FEMA, according to a 2019 report. The White House, the White House's failure to contain the coronavirus pandemic also has made it har harder for the government to respond to natural disasters. Hurricane Laura, for example, prompted evacuations of nearly half a million people across the Gulf Coast, forcing them into shelters uh, across across much of the surrounding regions. Local officials capped levy buses, evacuee buses, excuse me, at 15 to 20 passengers and placed uh, and placed of many evacuees in hotels, not shelters, uh, where distancing was easier. That's the reality of the moment that we're in. But Trump's systematic rollback of Obama-era climate policies have made a bad situation that much worse, as evident the uh, as, as evident from the catastrophic nature of Hurricane Harvey in 2017. In 2017, this year alone, the Atlantic Basin saw two named storms as far as Long Island very early in the season. By comparison, Superstorm Sandy, which struck the Jersey Shore, happened in late October 2012. Hurricane Laura was the earliest L-named storm in history, and this year is also the, only the second time in history that storms, uh, storm names went into the Greek alphabet. Trump's climate policies have also exasperated this public health crisis and laid the groundwork for more frequent and severe storms in the future. They've gone out of their way to ignore the problem altogether. The White House has continually blocked legislators from acting on climate change, like pushing for GOP colleagues, uh, colleagues in the Senate to block the Green New Deal, although four Democrats also oppose the measure. The Trump administration has gone so far to block st the State Department, official, State Department officials from issuing reports discussing the connection between climate change and national, secu national security. This comes after the most notable climate policy change backtrack. The withdrawal of the Paris Climate Accord was the first of its kind international agreement. And on November 4th, the U.S. will officially withdraw. Former Vice President Joe Biden and Democratic President who is also the Democratic presidential nominee, vowed to enter back into the agreement as soon as elected into office, if he does get elected. Meanwhile, should Trump get reelected in November, that likely will not happen, meaning the uh, returning into the Paris Climate Accord. Only ramping up for comparable and more severe natural disasters in the years and decades to come. In total, the Trump administration has pushed back 100 rollbacks of environmental protections. This problem with the on top of the pandemic this and this hurricane season is far from over. This hurricane season runs until November. There is no clear indication that there is a vaccine on the table that will be ready to go to market and available to the general public before at least the middle of next year. Hopefully sooner. I really would like that personally. 
Uh, by ignoring all of these problems, the Trump administration has only made matters worse for everyone, both Republicans and Democrats. This is damaging to our collective health as well as our economy, pushing any kind of recovery further down the line. The Trump administration's lackluster and counterintuitive policy choices have made another climate disaster. The fires in California, uh, which, which can only be described as a perfect storm of disaster relief and aptitudes. Speaking of which, joining us now to discuss the latest on the fires from the West Coast is Pablo De La Hoya. He's a HAPS correspondent. Uh, Pablo, thanks so much for joining. Uh, so you're on the ground there. What's going on? Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. Um, well, it's been a historic year, and it's not surprising. It seems like the, over the past four or five years, we've been seeing a longer fire season and a lot more acres burned. This year is no exception. Um, we're now at a total, specifically in the state of California, of 3.7 million acres burned, which is the equivalent to the size of Connecticut. Uh, that is just to kind of put the size and the scope of this in perspective. Um, unfortunately, this has also come with some fatalities. Uh, California has reported a total of 26 fatalities here in the state, along with um, 6,700 uh, structures that have been destroyed. Um, right now, as we speak, firefighters are currently fighting 26 active major wildfires across the state, and, have, and that counts 18,200 firefighters combined fighting those fires, along with the help of 100 firefighters that have actually been sent from Mexico to help alleviate um, some of those problems. The two, the two big fires that we're seeing right now are both in Northern California and in Southern California. Uh, the Northern California fire is called the Complex Fire, uh, which is a combination of different fires spreading from up in the Humboldt County, Napa County, Sonoma County areas, down to uh, Merced and all of those places as well. And here in Los Angeles, we have the Bobcat Fire, which I can see the smoke from my window to this day. Um, every single time there's a flare-up of that fire, we can see the smoke rise up, and it just looks like, you know, not to sound too alarmist, but it does look like a mushroom cloud of smoke rising from the mountains. Um, and that has been really interesting to follow. We have a observatory up in the Mount Wilson area in the Angeles National Forest, and firefighters have been fighting that fire for the past couple of weeks to make sure to preserve that observatory, which has millions of dollars of telescopes and satellites to help uh, run the city of Los Angeles. Any uh, notable damage, you know, across the state, any farms or, or anything that we've seen uh, right. really impact? Yeah, that's a great question. Right now, it's actually um, concerning that there's a about a, a couple million dollars of cannabis farms in threat in Northern California. Um, and we've seen across the state farm workers continue to work through dense smoke. And I'm sure people across social media platforms have seen those photos of, of immigrant farm workers still, still working, still picking fruit, still picking food uh, for everyone else to have. I can't imagine what it's like to be, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be breathing out there right now, you know, with the, with the pandemic. I mean, this is a respiratory, largely for most people, it's a respiratory thing uh, if they do get it. And that air qualities can't be uh, great. You know, I've seen those pictures uh, out in uh, from from San Francisco look like Mars. Um it, it's 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 really really shocking. Uh, any how, how's how about other like you know the climate changes has definitely made these worse. 
uh, the, you know, the, this happens all, uh, rather frequently there generally, but this, this one's worse. Uh, can you, from, from like a climate change perspective, can you tell me about like why, uh, what's so different this year than past years? Yeah, so I'm not an expert in this field, to be, uh, but I have been living here in the state over the past four or five years, and I have been seeing, you know, the results of what's going on. Back in 2018, which uh, la we had a very wet year, right? So a lot of greenery was restored in the state of California, and actually we were coming out of a drought, a 10-year drought that was uh, devastating the state of California, and we had a huge lack of water and a lot of restrictions going across the state. Lawns were turning, you know, dark uh, brown and then going dead um and then after that really wet year you know all of that all of that new um you know trees forest kind of growing back it, it all died away you know 2019 was another dry year and this year alone i i mean i'm pretty sure i can count the amount of days that we've had rain in 2020 on one hand it's been it's been a very dry 2020 um, and it's it's kind of in tune with the rest of what's going on across the world this year. It's it's, it's really devastating to see, um, and I'm 100% certain that, that that having a very wet season that contributed to kind of bringing things back to life and then going back into dry right after is contributing to this, and it, it shows in the numbers. 3.7 million acres is is the new highest ever recorded amount of acres burned in the state of California. Wow, it's incredible. Uh, thanks, Pablo. Thanks for uh, joining the program. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Uh, that's all for us on this edition of America in Context Live. Remember, you can catch us on demand if you miss the broadcast and later as a podcast as well. Until next time, I'm Eddie Hirschfeld in New York. We hope you have a great weekend.